Have your Bibles with you tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. We turn a chapter, last chapter in our study in the book of 1 Corinthians. I'm not sure where we'll go uh, after this. We're praying about a couple different things. We may just continue on into 2 Corinthians because they're so closely connected. Some of the subject matter there just picks right up. But also, I'm not sure, so we come up on the summer months, so pray with me that God will give some direction there. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. Uh, as we ended chapter number 15, we saw that it ended with a shout of victory. What a wonderful shout of victory it is. It's out of verse number 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the... the the period, there's a period there, the, uh, the period is not, uh, I, I think that's added by the, uh, the, uh, the translators there, so the punctuation is, is added, but I, I think that probably better have an exclamation point right there, have maybe several of those exclamation points right there, to, thanks be to God which giveth us the victory, well an excla- ex- exclamation point that would be. So we see it ends with a victory, and uh, that shout of victory follows verse 56 verses of teaching on the resurrection, Christ's resurrection, and because of His resurrection, then our resurrection. All of that, 1 Corinthians 15, is dealing with that particular subject. It's dealing with our new heavenly bodies, raised incorruptible, raised immortal, dead, death is dead, <laughs> it doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's no more. The grave is forever emptied for the child of God. With great blessings, though, and we look at this entire chapter, with great blessings come great responsibilities. And I think that's something maybe we have missed as Americans. We've been blessed with so much, but we've left off the responsibility. With the, the blessings come responsibilities. And so oftentimes... Uh, we want the blessings, but without the responsibilities that come with it. And that's what I think verse 58 is telling us. We see all the blessings and all that comes our way through the resurrection. But look at what he says in verse number 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. There's the responsibility. It starts with therefore. Therefore, now anytime in the Bible, anytime in Scripture, you see a therefore, you ask what it's there for. And so it's therefore because what's been said prior, what's leading up to it. Um, and so because of all that's been said of who we have in Christ, what we have in Christ rather, who we are in Him, that resurrection, victory that we have in Him, the therefore points us to the next steps. So because of verses 1 through 57, dealing with the resurrection, all we have in Christ. Now he says, move forward. Based on these truths, therefore, because of this, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in a resurrected Christ. Because he lives, we can live also. Because of the victory in the Lord... The work of the Lord, in other words, goes forward. Because of the victory that we have in Christ, 
The work of Christ goes forward. And that's what he's saying. The therefore, because of this, now go on with the work of the Lord. The work of the Lord, and we think about this, the work of the Lord. What is this? The work of the Lord is multifaceted. God's gifted every single believer with a spiritual gift to be used in the work of the Lord. Every single one of you. Somebody says, well, I can't do anything for the Lord. Then, then you're... Then you're shortchanging God because God's given you something to work with. And he wants you to work uh, for the Lord. He wants you to work for him. And he's gifted you in a very unique and specific and a very special way to do that very thing. But it's multifaceted. But the main point of the work, and all of it works together, the main point of the work is the gospel. So the work of the Lord, it's multifaceted, but the main point is the gospel. And it's the spreading of the gospel. To the New, in the, through the New Testament church, the getting of the gospel message out. Again, multifaceted means everybody's got a part to play. Your part and your part. If you leave your part off, somebody else has got to pick up that slack. And, and so, so many times churches are suffering because nobody's willing to be part of that multifaceted ministry. It's always someone else's job, and someone else do this, and someone else do that. You know, and it kind of goes back to the, to the need for Sunday school teachers. And some of, you, some of us will say, well, that's a good job for so-and-so. But how about praying, God, is that something you want me to do? And it's a multifaceted task. But the main point is literally get the gospel, and spread the gospel. There are many things that play a part in getting that gospel message out around the world. Many things. And many, the many things require many people to get the task done. Many multifaceted, many people, all that's required to get the work done. And every single Christian, I believe every single Christian, doesn't mean single, married or not married, but everybody, every, every born-again believer ought to be strategically and systematically invested in some way to get the gospel message around the world. Strategically and systematically invested, involved in some way helping to get the gospel to where it needs to be. Let me ask you, does the gospel need to be gotten around, get, get in places in Harrison, Tennessee? Oh, like never before. In Chattanooga, like never before. Around the world, like never before. And every single one of us have a part to play in getting that gospel to where it needs to be. Uh, locally, as well as around the world. And God has given us a way to do that. God has given us a way to be involved. A place, God's given us a place to strategically and systematically be involved in getting the gospel around the world. And the place that God's provided for that task and to do that very thing it's through the local church it's God's plan God's provided what, what kind of ministries God want me involved in he's given the local church to be involved and so every single Christian could be part of that multifaceted task of getting the gospel around the world it's through the local church the New Testament local church is God's mean means it's God's plan it's God's structure, it's God's design to get the work done. It's through the local church. It's, God's, it's the way God's designed it. He's given us the church so everybody could be a part of it. The local church is God's 
foundation for worldwide evangelization. It's the foundation for worldwide evangelization in this age of grace. Without local churches, worldwide evangelization evangelization does not exist. It doesn't exist. Without local churches, a parachurch organization cannot take the place of a local church congregation. It just cannot do it. A local church... What is a local church? Well, a local church is made up of a congregation of born-again, baptized, spirit-filled people who are pulling their resources together in order to accomplish the Great Commission. It's a group of people who are born-again, baptized, spirit-filled, seeking to serve the Lord all together and pulling our resources together in order to fulfill the Great Commission. I, I believe local is local to the area in which you live. I believe local is local to the area in which you live. The community, the town, the city where you reside in. That is local. Local church practice does not have universal church tendencies. It's local. Every Christian, every Christian ought to be a member of a local congregation of believers where they live who are pulling their resources together as a body to accomplish the work of the ministry. Where they are. The sad thing is that that's not always the case. You know, another part of this whole sad thing is that so oftentimes the work of the ministry... The bulk of the work and the time spent from the pastor or the pastoral staff of the local church is spent trying to convince born-again Christians the importance of the local church. Spent time just begging people to come and, and, and trying to convince them to be members and get involved and be a part of the work of the ministry. The bulk of the time is spent there and it ought not be that way. It ought not be the case. Now, I hope you don't think I'm scolding tonight that's not my intent I'm just simply trying to lay a foundation of the importance of the local church it ought not be this way that people ought to just see the need because it's God's plan and you know because so much time and effort is spent this way I believe maybe I I just got an inkling of an idea that that's why churches change that's why churches change and become uh more liberal in their in their uh, practice and their in their philosophy. Uh, that's why you, you you get a praise and worship team up. That's why you you get a uh, somebody that can hold a microphone and, and 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 scream real loud and and you get the drum set and you get the electric guitars and because it's a, it's easier to entertain people to get them to come. And I wonder if that's why churches don't change because it's easier. You can get people to come if they'll be entertained. Harder to get people to come to listen to the preaching of the Bible. But it ought not be the case. And so I don't know that that's the reason, but I, I just got to believe that why some old-time preachers, you know, they've been around for years and years and they're still pastoring. And boy, you say, boy, they used to be solid as a rock. But you look at the church now and so much has changed. You say, why has it changed? Maybe they just got tired of beating their head against the wall. Because, you know, it's easier to build a, draw a crowd and, quote, build a church this way. Than it is the Bible way. 
I don't know if that's the case, but I, I just got to imagine that maybe that has something to do with it. All of 1 Corinthians is Paul's letter to a local church. A group of people saved, baptized, who live in Corinth. In chapter 16, Paul spends his time out of this chapter. And he's saying, continue the work. Continue the labor. Continue the effort. We're on the winning side. We're on the winning side. And God's planted a church, and that church is on the winning side. And he says, so don't get weary in well-doing. Keep on pressing on. Now, with, again, I mentioned with great blessings come also great responsibilities within the church. The work of the Lord. Now, part of that, when we come to the first few verses of chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, Paul touches on the area of giving. Within the local church. On the area of giving within the local church. Now, I sometimes I hesitate to come to a subject like this. To a crowd like this. Because this is a giving crowd. This is a sacrificial crowd. But I do also understand that there are people that come. And they may be listening. Or people do not understand why. And so we keep preaching what the Bible says. It's another good thing if. When you're going through the Bible and you're going through books like this, it keeps you off your hobby horses and you just preach what's in the text. The very next thing. The very next thing. So you let the Bible speak for itself. That's why I like uh, this kind of preaching rather than just a topical message. And you don't get to skip anything. I never wonder what I'm going to preach the next time around. I never wonder what's next to preach. It's right here. So you just preach what's here in the book. And so we come to this topic topic of giving within the work uh, the local church within to the work of the Lord verses 1 through 4 now concerning the collection for the saints as I have given order to the churches of Galatia even so do ye upon the first day of the week let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered that there uh, be no gatherings when I come And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. In these verses, particularly verses in verse number 2, we see God's plan for the funding, the financial needs of the local church. The huge fact is that the work of the ministry requires finances. That's no new thing. The work of anything requires finances. The work of living requires finances. Uh, grocery store requires finances. The gas requires uh, the gas bill. Put in the car requires finances. But the ministry requires finances. And God knew that. And God set forth a plan. So that the work could be accomplished. And we use the term tithing. Tithing. It's God's plan. In these four verses, Paul gives instructions concerning the offering for the poor saints that were back in Jerusalem. He says out of verse number 1, now concerning the collection for the saints. These saints were those, we see out of verse number 3, 
speaking of the, the saints, the believers who were at, back in Jerusalem. This is a local church receiving an offering in order to help another local church. Now, interestingly enough, it's a Gentile church helping out a Jewish church. Uh, the gospel had gotten to them through the Jew. Now, they are in turn, that middle wall partition has been broken down. God's brought together in Ephesians. That God's brought together uh, two who were separated in one within the local church. And he's brought them together. And now here's a Gentile church helping out a Jewish church. This church at Jerusalem, I'll remind you, if you go back and look at the book of Acts, they're undergoing, have on, undergone great persecution. Scattered. The Christians were scattered. A great famine was going on also in that region. So there was great need. And, and Paul instructed the church about taking up an offering and taking up some ways in which to help. And he's mentioned that, that do the same thing here that I also instructed the church of Galatia to do. So he, this was uh, something that Paul had in his heart and his mind to do. Now in these verses... We find God's instructions for meeting the financial needs of the local church. The financial need is meet for, met for the ministry through and, and the local, in the local church through the way of tithing. God meets the need, the local church, by way of tithing. Separate from faith promise. We can spend a whole evening talking about faith promise. We did that during missions conference. Tithe is not faith promise. Faith promise is not tithe. Two separate things here. But here we're dealing with the local church. Now, it's sad to see, in my opinion, it's sad to see churches, local churches, have a sign out front that says yard sale. I don't believe any church ought to have a yard sale sign out front. They ought not be having fish fries on Friday night to raise money. Ought not have to have a spaghetti dinner on Saturday night in order to raise money to fuel the needs of the ministry of the church. Ought not have to do fundraisers, raffles, all these kinds of things in order to get the work of the ministry accomplished. It ought not happen. It ought not have to happen that way. And it shouldn't happen that way at all. God never sanctioned doing it that way. And as far as, as long as I'll be pastor, we'll not do that here at Lakewood Baptist Church. Why? Because that's not God's plan. What's God's plan? God's plan is God people providing for the work of the ministry within the body of Christ. He never intended for us to enlist the world's means to do the work of the ministry. God enlists His people to do the work of the ministry. And that's all of us. And Paul lays out a biblical pattern for ministry finances. And he sets that pattern in place for every church plant along the way. Every church plant that Paul began, he set this pattern in place. And it's still going on today. Tithing is still God's plan for today. If you see a church having a yard sale, you'll see a church that does not understand the principle of tithing. Just doesn't understand it. Here Paul lays out the principles of tithing. Let's look at them. They are found out of verse number 2. Upon Notice the period. The period. When, how, when are we supposed to do this? So I've titled the period. It fits good with the P's. And you'll follow along in just a moment. The period. When do we do this? 
Verse number 2. Upon the first day of the week. When do we, when do we tithe? Upon the first day of the week. What day is that? Sunday. Sunday. Now, this verse give the Adventists a fit. Because it's Sunday. We tithe on the first day of the week. The New Testament church met on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And it's not a Catholic teaching. It's not an Antichrist teaching. It's a Pauline teaching. Right out of the Bible. Right out of the Word of God. The book of Acts, throughout the, 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 uh, the, the rest of the epistles, it's right here for us to see and understand. The Jews met at the synagogue on the Sabbath day before Christ's death as a way of keeping the Old Testament law. The keeping of the Sabbath is the Old Testament law. Understand this, the keeping of the Sabbath is the Old Testament law for the Jews only in that time frame. For the Jews only in that time frame. The New Testament church, which includes Jew and Gentile, both is not bound to keeping a Jewish law. The New Testament church is bound to fulfilling the Great Commission. Not keeping the law, but fulfilling the Great Commission. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is all about the resurrection, the resurrected life of Christ. Not a dead law. The law was given to show us our sin. Romans clearly says this. Show us our sin. The gospel raises us up out of our sin. Huge difference. Difference between night and day. Even, even in, the, in the Gospels, Jesus' first appearance, resurrection appearance to his disciples was on the first day of the week. They were gathered on the first day of the week. Eight days later, you're counting that day. Eight days later, it's again the first day of the week. And Jesus appears in the room with his disciples. And there Thomas is. With all the rest. If I just see, touch him, see him, I'll believe. There he is. And Jesus appears. When? It's on the first day of the week. And all the New Testament churches met on the Lord's Day. They celebrate the resurrection. And that's why we meet on Sunday. It's why we meet on the Lord's Day. It's the resurrection. John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. What was he doing? He was worshiping Christ, worshiping the Lord. On the resurrection day. Every day, every Sunday is a resurrection day. We gather. We celebrate a resurrected Lord. We see the period which is Sunday. The first day of the week. Now Paul puts this together very clearly for us. He says it's the first day of the week. And he says that's the period is to be on Sunday. But what else is involved here? It's supposed to be systematic. Systematic. Upon the first day of the week. Now how often does that occur? Every week. It's supposed to be systematic. Every week, regularly, consistently, and faithfully. He says the period is Sunday. The period is systematic. Every Sunday. And it's also significant in our worship. Now why do we gather on Sunday. We've already mentioned it. We already know. We gather to worship the Lord. Amen to that. We gather to worship the Lord. So here God ties. Paul 
under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, ties the worship of our Lord with the giving to our Lord. He ties the two together, the worship with the giving. Tithing is as much of a spiritual exercise of worship as preaching or as, as singing. Now, I'm pretty high on the preaching order. Let me stick that one back up the top. So if we're going to have a pecking order, I'll stick that one, keep that one at the top. Because I is one of the fellas. I like the preaching. But tithing, giving to the Lord is is part of our spiritual worship. Uh, Our giving to the Lord and His work, it expresses our thankfulness to the Lord. It expresses our willingness to, To participate in the Lord's work. It expresses our obedience to God's plan through the local church. And I believe we cannot properly worship the Lord if we're not willing to regularly participate in the finances for the work of the Lord. They all come together. So we see the period. What's tithing all about? The period of it is Sunday, systematic. It's significant to our worship. But not only, he goes a little step further. So that's when we're to do it, how often we're to do it. But who? The people. Look at verse number 2. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. Let every one of you. Who's the people? Every one of you. Every one of me. All of us who are born again, every one of you, no excuse, excuses, no exceptions. Listen to, to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Will a man rob God, yet ye have robbed me? But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Not only do we rob God when we do not give tithes, we do not give what's due God, and not only do we rob God, but we rob other Christians. We rob other Christians because other Christians now need to make up what others have decided not to do. Other Christians now have to make up the gaps. Not only do we rob God, we rob other Christians, but we rob ourselves. Of God's blessings. Look at verse number 10. Let me read it for you. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. That there may be meat meat in mine house. That's not something to eat. But that's provision to do the work of the Lord. That there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord. If I will not open you the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing. That there shall not be room enough. To receive it. So we not only rob God. We rob others. But we rob ourselves of blessings. Bring the tithes into the storehouse. That's the, the local church. The local gathering of God's people. So we see the period. We see the people. Let every one of you. The proportion. Now what are we to bring in? What is exactly is, it, is meant? And we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse number 2. But upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. So what's the tithe? 
The Bible says here, as God hath prospered him. We use the word, the tithe. So what are we to bring in? As God has prospered you, what has God given you? What has God given you as you have labored, as you've gone throughout your week and God's provided in some form or some fashion? What has God provided for you? And, and by the way, this reminds us that everything we have is given to us by God. Everything. As God hath prospered. We can't come to God and say, God, look what I did and look how I prospered. Everything we have is given to us by God. The tithe was, we use the the term tithing, the tenth percentage. The tithe was the minimum standard for giving in the Old Testament. The minimum standard for giving in the Old Testament. Abraham, he tithed to Melchizedek. And we can find this number of places in the Word of God where a tithe was given. God told the nation of Israel to give tithes to the Levites. Now, these Levites were the keepers of the tabernacle and the temple. And so they did not have an inheritance. So there were tithes given to provide for those who did the work, the spiritual work, the slaying, the killing, and all these things within the tabernacle. So there was to be a tithe given for them, for their families. And by the way, when the tithe was given to the Levite, guess what the Levite had to do? He had to tithe on the tithe. Whatever was given to him, he was required to tithe off of as well. So no excuses. No exclusions. We're told, they're told to give a tithe uh, to the Lord. And the Levites were to give a tithe again of the tithe. And every third year, another tithe tithe was asked and was required and this tithe was given it was given to the Levites and and then it was distributed not for the Levites to keep again but it was distributed to the stranger to the orphan and to the widow and so we can say well they were just required to give 10% well if you look at it they were required to give more than the 10% we just come back to the and we say this is a minimal This is a minimal. The Old Testament practice of 10% sets forth a New Testament principle. A New Testament principle. The tithe or tenth is the tithe is the minimum. It's the starting point. The New Testament standard is as God has prospered. Now, what does that look like? Look at verse number three. When I come. Whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, him will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. So what does the New Testament tithe look like? Liberality. The 10% is the starting point. The Bible often mentions tithes and offerings. It's the starting point, but it's a a liberality. We're to be liberal givers. As God has prospered us. So we don't come to our checkbooks and say, well, this is what I can afford. Well, they didn't work that way. How's God prospered us? It's not after I get all my stuff and then see what I have left over for God. It doesn't work that way. So we're just give liberally. New Testament giving is done out of a heart of gratitude. To the Lord for all that he has given us. For all that he's given us. It's a way to show our 
desire to please the Lord. Tithing, giving of the, to the local church is our, is our way of, to show our desire to please the Lord. It's a way to show our dedication to the work of the Lord. We're dedicated to the work of the Lord. We're going to make sure it helps. we help getting it done going forward. Not only it's only our desire to please, our dedication to the work, but our dependence upon His provision. It's a way of showing our dependence upon His provision. It's what He's given to us. And God forbid that He would stop giving to us. Stop providing for us. Our dependence upon His provision. Let me close with one verse. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord... With thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. So it's a way to please the Lord. It's a way to prosper the ministry. It shows our dedication to the work, our dependence upon His promises. And maybe so many times we may struggle financially is because we have set God aside in this manner. Again, I, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But I still think it's, we come to this passage in the Bible and it's something that needs to be taught upon. And we need to understand it so we can help others understand it and teach them also. Somebody will say, well, I can't afford to tithe. Brother Bragg just said it. Can't afford not to. Can't afford not to. So we're dependent upon His provision. And really it's a pretty good deal. We don't give in order to get. We give because God is good to us. Because God is good to us. And He can trust us in the little. He can trust us in the more. And maybe why we're struggling so often with the little. is because we haven't put this principle in place. And let me just go back to the very main thought. To the local church. To the local church. How are we doing? Well, I think many of you, and I have no idea what people do. I, this verse, these verses go on. I wish I could go on and talk about it. He says, add letters and send a letter. He's going to send this money. You also put it in the hands of those who are trustworthy in taking care of it. Teresa's here tonight. I appreciate her. She's our treasure. But nothing's done in this church without... You're knowing, we don't spend money without you knowing about it. Things aren't done. We're done in, a, in, a, in an open fashion. Nothing behind the scenes. And, and, and so that's protecting the work of the Lord. The protection of the work of the Lord. We could go on. But let's do our part. Let's see God bless. Let's see God do great things here at Lakewood Baptist Church. Let's bow in prayer, please.